Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today, I believe the Lord would have me speak to you on the subject of singing in the pain. Singing in the pain. Somebody say, singing in the pain. Now say it like you mean it. Singing in the pain. I'm convinced that if you want to experience a miracle in your life, then you first need a mess in your life. Think about it. If you want to experience a miracle, you need first a mess in your life. And, and some of you are like, sign me up, sign me up, because my family is a mess. If your family's a mess, raise your hand. Because my in-laws, they're a mess. I mean, they are. My, my wife's side of the family, they are a mess. And uh, okay, my side of the family, we're a mess. We put the funk in dysfunctional. Yeah, so... Uh, it, it's true, though. I mean, it, 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 it is so true that in your life or in your circumstance, it, it, if it's not messed up, you're probably not in need of a miracle. But when you reach that place where your life, your circumstance has, has some messiness to it, it's broken, then it's a prime target for a miracle because the breeding ground for miracles is when something is messed up, broken, or something's missing. That, that, that's the perfect place because miracles are conceived in desperate times and dire circumstances. And so if you walked into this room with some pain in your life right now, if, if something's not right, something's broken, something is, is messy, then, then you are in the right place because I believe today God's got a word for you. Today we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 16. You can go ahead and, and turn on your Bible or turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 16. And to, to be very honest with you, this, this sermon was birthed during vacation Bible school and it happened, I was sitting right here in this room about halfway back. I just stuck my head in to watch one of the, the skits during the, the, the Bible story time. And, and as I was sitting there and watching this skit unfold, um, which, by the way, they presented it in such a great way. That's one of the reasons why I stuck my head in. They were just doing a tremendous job every night acting these things out. And, and uh, it, it just got in my spirit. And, and they did it in a real comical way, which is great for kids. They, they need to do it that way. But what I need you to understand is this is more than just a Bible story. This is a, is a true life event because your Bible is also a history book. And, and so this, this actually happened to these two guys by the name of Paul and Silas. And so let me kind of just set up what's happening here in Acts chapter 16 because we find Paul and Silas in an extremely tough situation. They're, they're preaching the good news of Jesus. They're, they're in Philippi, which is a, a central city of Macedonia and it's part, it's a, it's a Roman colony. And Things get just, just really rough when, when, when Paul gets tired of this demon-possessed girl that keeps following them around. And, and she keeps following them around. She follows Paul and Silas everywhere that they go around the city. And, and she's saying this. She keeps saying, you know, these are men of God. And they're here to, to show you salvation. They're here to teach you about salvation. And, they, and, and she just keeps saying that. Now, now here's what I know about, about Satan this is a demon-possessed girl, and, and she's not declaring truth. Although it was truth, they were men of God, and, and they were there to preach salvation, although that's true. It was coming across very sarcastic. These are men of God. They're here to lead you into salvation. 
And she just keeps following these guys everywhere that they go. And, and it's great because as only Paul could, Paul finally gets tired of it. It is getting on his nerves. He is tired of this little demon-possessed girl following them around. And so Paul walks over and he, he says, you know, be healed in the name of Jesus. I cast the demon out of you. And the demon leaves the girl. It, it's a beautiful moment where this girl who has been tormented by this demon has now been set free and you would think, man, this is the end of the story. This is great. This, but that's not what happens. It, it, it gets really bad for Paul and Silas after this because this little girl, she was a slave. She was a slave girl, and she was owned by some men, and, and they made money off of her telling people's fortunes. Yes, the, the, the enemy, the, the devil, demonic forces would empower her to read people's mail and to tell people about their future. You got to be careful with that kind of stuff. The, the enemy does have power. And, 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 and she would tell people their future. And when Paul cast the demon out of her, he's just messed with their moneymaker. So now these guys are upset because now they can't use that little girl anymore. She is useless to them at this point because she is not empowered by the demon any longer. And these slave owners, that's what she was. She was a slave to them. These slave owners get angry and they gather a mob together to go after Paul and Silas. And that's where we want to pick it up. In Acts chapter 16, I want to start with verse 19. And if you will, just leave your Bible open because we're going to go back to Acts 16 quite a bit today, okay? Acts chapter 16, verses 19 through 24 to begin with. It says, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now, they make this a racial issue, church. That's what they just did. They just made it a, a, a racial issue because... Paul and Silas are, are Jewish. They are Roman citizens, but they are Jewish. And their audience is Gentiles, non-Jews. And so they make it a racial issue. And verse 22 says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. Now, this means they're not just in a, in a jail cell with bars where they can look out to the outside. He puts them under the prison. He puts them in the inner dungeon. There's no way of escape here. He puts them in the inner dungeon and clamp their feet in the stocks. I've got this friend that says, if, if you think you're having a bad day, just go home and watch the movie Deliverance and suddenly your day won't seem so bad. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever watched the movie Deliverance. I do not suggest that you watch the movie Deliverance. But all of you that have, you understand what my friend is saying. Your day improves. Your day gets better when you see how bad their day went. I, I, I like to say it like this. If you're having a bad day, just read these verses here in chapter 16 of Acts. Think about what just happened. These men were falsely accused of being unlawful. They're being accused of stirring up trouble. They're just there to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the whole reason why they're there. But they're being accused of, hey, they're coming in to stir up trouble. 
A mob forms against them. They are stripped of their clothes publicly. They are now naked. They, they have no clothes on publicly in front of everyone. And the Bible says that they were severely beaten with wooden rods. Beaten with wooden rods. So now they are bruised, broken, bloody. And, and then they're thrown not just in, in jail. They're thrown into prison. They are in, 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 in you know, like I said, they're, they're, they're deep inside the prison. Most of our problems, and, and I hope you'll agree with me on this, and, and if you're honest, you will, but, but most of our problems originate because of something that we did. If we're honest, we, we'll own up to that. A lot of our problems that exist in our lives happen because of something we did. Poor judgment that, that we had or a, a bad decision that we made or we allowed the wrong person into our life. Because we made a bad decision, we have these, these problems that, 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 that come up in our, in, in our lives and these choices that we make, they have consequences. Let, let me show you what I'm talking about. Your finances are in a mess. Well, your finances are in a mess because you live beyond your means and you have not learned to live within a budget. And that's why your finances are in a mess. Maybe I'm not talking to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe this speaks to you. Your boss doesn't like you very much. And that's because you have a horrible work ethic. You're late every day and you take a two-hour lunch. This isn't the end. Satan gets blamed for a whole lot of stuff. That's not, the, that's not Satan's fault. That's your fault. Okay, maybe that didn't speak to you. Okay, okay. Your children are wild and crazy, unruly. And the reason why is because it's hard to have a stable home when your schedule doesn't give you time to actually be at home. Oh, either I'm stepping on toes or it just doesn't apply. Your marriage is in trouble. And your marriage is in trouble because you're a jerk. There it is. <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that we cause the pain, we cause the problem. And, and to be honest with you, when I'm in a situation like that, I'm okay. I'm okay. Because if I cause the pain, then usually I can do something to fix it. It's, it's usually not fixed as quickly as the mistake that I made. Because usually there's, there's ongoing consequences with it. But if, but if, if I cause my own pain, then, then usually I can fix that pain. I can fix that problem. But the, the, the other side of this coin is sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that is not of our own doing. We didn't do anything to deserve it. It's an injustice in our life, and we didn't do anything to cause it, yet the pain is there, the pain is very real, and we find ourselves in this storm, and we wonder, how did we get here? How did we end up here? Because we didn't do anything to cause this, but here we are, we're trapped in a dungeon, we're bound by chains and stocks, and that's where we find Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Think about this church. They were doing exactly what God had called them to do. They didn't mess up. They didn't make a mistake. They didn't make a poor decision. They were following in the footsteps of, of their Savior, of Jesus Christ, proclaiming good news of salvation. 
setting the captives free. That girl was demon-possessed, and Paul set her free. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, and yet they find themselves in a very desperate place. Last year, Mandy and I were supposed to go to Hawaii in August for our 25th wedding anniversary. Now, obviously, COVID shut that down. We were not able to go, and, and thankfully, we had trip insurance on this whole thing, and, and the, the money just stayed there with the travel agent until we could rebook it. And um, I'm wearing my Hawaiian shirt today because next month in August, on August 9th, we are leaving for Hawaii for our 26th wedding anniversary. Yeah. So. And I went and bought a bunch of these. So you're going to be seeing a lot of Hawaiian shirts over the next few weeks, okay? They're very comfortable. What has taken me so long? Since we couldn't go to Hawaii for our 25th wedding anniversary last year, we, we settled for a week in St. Augustine. St. Augustine. There's a fort. It was great for five minutes when I was seven years old. After that, I'm over it. And if you know anything about us, you'll know that, that I like the mountains. Mandy likes the beach. That's why Hawaii would have been perfect, right? Mandy won. We went to St. Augustine. And, and we had to do something, you know, because of, of, of COVID and, and quarantine and everything. We couldn't, there wasn't much that we could do. So it, 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 it wasn't Hawaii. I mean, in Hawaii, there's waterfalls and volcanoes, a luau. Oh, yeah, we're signed up for a luau. <laughs> you better believe it. A helicopter tour. We're fighting over right now if it's going to be a helicopter with doors or without doors. I'm, I'm wanting no doors. Mandy's like, I'm not getting in one with no doors. She's going to get in one with no doors. Okay. We arrived in St. Augustine on, on that Tuesday. And we got settled in and, and we went and had a nice dinner. And the next morning we got up and we went to the beach. I hate the beach. But we went to the beach. You know why I hate the beach. You, you know this. You, you know exactly why. Because sand gets in places that it's not supposed to be. And, and I hate it. I hate it. But we went to the beach and we sat out there for a while that morning and... We, we ended up coming back to, to the room, to the condo there for, for lunch. Y'all just stay with me. There was a power surge here a moment ago, but I promise you, everybody's got it figured out. So we came back to the condo for, for lunch, and that's when I checked my phone, and I got this phone call that forever changes my life. August 12th, 2020. Our anniversary. And they said on the other end, if you want to see your father before he dies, you need to get to Trenton as fast as possible. We packed up and we were 25 minutes late. I didn't get to see my dad for the last five and a half months of his life, not face to face, because of the COVID restrictions. You know the questions that come to your mind. Why? Why, God? 
I mean, I'm faithful. I pay my tithes. I read my Bible. I pray. I prayed extra hard in 2020. I didn't kill people that really were morons and I wanted to kill them. And I didn't. I didn't. I, I was a good Christian. Why? It wasn't where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in Hawaii. But what I figured out, and, and it takes time, it takes time, but what I figured out and what's, what's really just come to light for me is imagine if my dad would have died and I would have been in Hawaii. Do you see the sovereignty of God? It doesn't have to make sense to me, not at the moment. It doesn't have to make, it doesn't have to make sense to me ever. God doesn't owe me any explanation. You know that, right? God is sovereign. His ways are higher than ours. But in these moments sometimes, down the road, you look back and you see God's hand and you're like, okay, I get it, I understand. Imagine if my father would have died and I would have been in Hawaii. I mean, that would have just been a canceled, wasted trip. We'd have had to get on a plane, turn around and come back. It would have taken some time for us to get back. And, and it just would have been a mess, a disaster. Because we got back 25 minutes after my dad passed away. I hit the ground running. The next day, I'm meeting with the funeral home so that my mom wouldn't have to go there. I handled all the funeral arrangements. Uh, uh, mom and my brothers, my brother gave away all of my dad's suits. My dad was a pastor. So I'm like, well, well what are we going to do? Mom was like, I hope she's not watching. She's going to get on to me. She's like, can't you rent a suit at the funeral home? <laughs> I was like, no, mom, we can't rent a suit. You don't give it back, you know. What you... So I went and got my black suit out of my closet and buried my dad in my suit and shirt and tie. Four days after he died, I preached his funeral standing right here on this stage. It wasn't where I wanted to be. But it's where God wanted me to be. You see, there's something with that. If, when we get to that place that we understand that sometimes God puts you where he needs you so that his power can work through you. And it's, it's not always where you want to be. As a matter of fact, what I have figured out in this thing called, called the Christian walk is, is that it seldom is where you want to be. Usually, God will put you in places that you really don't want to be, but when God puts you there, it's for a purpose, and it's so that his power can work through you. Remember this, Romans 8 and 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things. Somebody say all things. Say all. I looked that up in the Greek. You know what it means? All. Like everything. All. All. All things, every single thing, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things, everything, everything that you will go through, every dilemma, every mishap, every rainstorm, everything that you go through, all things will work together for good. Every single thing will work together for good. Everything. Now, you're still not understanding this. Everything, everything that you will ever go, everything, it, it all works together for good. But we, we sometimes fail to realize that God is still God, God is still sovereign, God is still in control, and that God is working all of this stuff out 
and we fail to see that God will work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But sometimes, sometimes we just miss out on the miracle because we forget to praise him when it's raining. Acts 16, verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. Paul and Silas... They were singing in the pain. Think about their condition. They, they did such a great job presenting this to our kids during VBS. And, and, and it was, it was lighthearted. It was fun. It was comical as it should be with the kids. But, but think about this, man. These guys, they were stripped down. No clothes on. They were beaten, bloody, bruised, in shackles. What were they singing? Have you ever thought about it? What would you sing? Think about it. If you're in that condition, what would you sing? When the rug has been pulled out from underneath you, when your life just stinks, when nothing is working out, you thought you were right where God wanted you. You were preaching the good news. You, you were setting captives free. You were doing everything that you were supposed to do. But now you're beaten up. You have no clothes. You're in shackles. What song do you sing in that moment? And if we're not careful, we will allow our circumstances to dictate our playlist. Oh, I can see some of you in that prison. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. But, yeah, but some of you, you're like, I fought the law and the law won. <laughs> it's like you just come to grips with it. You're like, I'm done. And then there's some of you, you got that anger problem. You know who you are. And you're like, I bust the windows out your car. You know, that's, that's where you're at. It's just, it's just anger just builds up. And, and, and you allow your circumstance to dictate the playlist of your life. Not Paul and Silas. What an example. We don't know exactly what song they were singing, but what we do know is that the Bible tells us that it was a hymn of praise to God. Acts 16 and 25 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Maybe, maybe it sounded something like this. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Maybe it was something like, you can do all things but fail. You've never lost a battle. Sorry, Marlene, I'm ruining your song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Can you see I'm in prison? It may look like I'm surrounded. <laughs> Come on, Silas. Sway with me, buddy. Sway with me, yeah. Verse 
they were singing hymns to God. Singing in the pain, in, in their dark moment. They don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. They're already hurting. They are already stripped down. They are beaten, bloody, broken. And, and in that moment, they choose to sing through that pain. Listen, some of you, some of, I know, I know, I know. You, you would rather whine through the pain. It's the reason why I won't ask you, how are you doing today? Because I know your answer, and I hate your answer. How are you doing? Well, my dog is sick, and my mother-in-law is coming to visit. You know? And it's like, it's horrible, it's bad. Don't whine through your pain. Worship through your pain. Don't pout praise. Because we've got this promise we were singing about it earlier. That when our praises go up, his presence comes down. And have you ever noticed that when you're going through it, when, when it's just when it's that kind of day, week, month, or year, and you're going through it, have you ever noticed how far away God feels? It's like he's nowhere to be found. Where, where, where's God? Where? And you start thinking things like this. I know, I've been there. God, are you, are you even real? Do you even exist or am I just wasting my time because this pain is very real. And we've got this promise that when we, when we praise and don't pout, when we worship and we don't whine, that is in those moments that God's presence descends and, and, and he doesn't have to, he doesn't owe this to us, but because he stated it in his word, he will be bound to it. And when we begin to worship him and we send up those praises, God is faithful to inhabit those praises and suddenly a God that felt like he was so far away inhabits those praises and he comes and he's right there with you, he's right beside you and Paul and Silas are in prison and they are singing their praises to God and God shows up. Why? Because your worship is a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. That's why the enemy wants to silence your worship. Your worship is a weapon. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, not the ones the world uses. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. When we start worshiping, this is warfare. And I think sometimes, church, that we underestimate the power of our praise if we could ever see what praising God in the middle of a storm, when, when it feels like the, the, the floods are rising, when it feels like God, that, that the, the enemy is, 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 has got us surrounded, and, and, and when we start praising, I think we underestimate what God does in those moments because he will be faithful to his word and he will show up. Acts 16, verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. You moron, you're about to kill yourself, don't do this, We're just, just come down here, come check it out. The jailer called for lights 
It ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? There's a difference. That little demon-possessed girl very sarcastically was saying, these are men of God. They're going to teach you about salvation. This man just saw the hand of God. And he says, what do I need to do to be saved? Please tell me. Your God is real. What do I have to do to be saved? And they replied, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Moms, dads, listen to me. You hear that? Man, there's a promise right there. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Mom, dad, if you will just submit your life to Christ, we have a promise that they will too. Hold on to that promise. You pray your prodigals back in. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Man, they're not wasting any time. If I'm Paul and Silas, I'm just getting out. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Philippi behind. I'm, I'm gone. They take time and baptize everyone in the household. Verse 34 says, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, here's Paul. They have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. This is that moment. This is, I'm telling you, I don't stick around for these conversations. Paul is, is he, I don't know if he's confident or cocky, one or the other, but he says they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want to let us, so now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. He's not letting anybody off the hook. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. Not only is your worship a weapon, your worship is a witness. Your worship is a witness. When you worship, especially during the trying times, it is a witness to, to others that are watching, to everyone who is glued in on you. Let me tell you, the greatest, the greatest evangelistic tool that we have is how we respond to life circumstances. Because let's be honest, everybody goes through it. It rains on the just and the unjust, right? Everybody goes through it. And the way that we respond to life circumstances is a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ operating in our lives. We either show them that we have faith in our God or, or we prove to them that it is all lip service and we don't have faith at all. People are watching. Acts 16 and 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. People are watching. 
They want to see how you're going to respond to life's trials. Your children are watching. Your coworkers are watching. Your employees are watching. Even your enemies are watching. Even your enemies are watching. The psalmist said it like this. He said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there's not a better meal to eat than in the presence of your enemies. He said, I'm going to show your enemies my work and my power operating in your life. They're witnesses to it. And your response is a witness to the power of God operating in your life. And church, if I can just get this into you right now, sing in the middle of your pain. Sing in the pain. Sing in the pain. Last week, I was part of a memorial service for a good friend of mine that overdosed. I flew up to Boston to have part of his funeral. And I was sitting on the front row and it was, it was a unique experience because my friend Sean, he loved Destiny Community Church. He never got to experience it here. When he lived here, we were in Panther Palace at the middle school and I walked into the school auditorium where this church meets that he had been attending. And it reminded me so much of our portable setup. Speakers on stands, lights lighting up the back of the stage. And I'm sitting on the front row here. The family is sitting in the middle. And, and there were... There were a three-person, just a small three-person praise team that were leading us in songs during the, the memorial service. There was a guy at a keyboard, and he had a microphone. There was a guy playing an acoustic guitar, and he had a microphone. And then there was a young lady that had a microphone. And they were singing, and they, they, they got to this one song. And we were all sitting down, and they start singing this song. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And a very human side of me rose up and I thought, oh no. His mom is sitting right in front of his casket. 42 years old. Gone. This is her second son that she's had to bury in 10 years because of a drug overdose. And some of you know Cheryl. You know her. And I'm sitting here going, man, God, why? They said it was one of his favorite songs, so I get that. But man, because it's hard in the middle of that moment when you're staring at your son's casket To sing, he's a good, good father. No. And you may differ with me on this, but me and God have this relationship to where he knows how human I am. I don't know if you're a deity or not, but I'm. And there's moments when the very human side of me rises up. And I've come to realize God's not afraid of my honest questions 
Why do you live like that? He knows before you even speak it. He created you with all of these emotions and in the moment of your hurt and your despair, we want to hide it from him like he's going to be angry with us somehow. And I'm having this conversation with God sitting on the front row at this memorial service, looking at a mom, staring at her son's casket. And, and I'm thinking, man, how is, she, how, how is she going to sing this song? God, I know you're a good, good father. I know that. I know that. I know you are. You are. You deserve it. But this is tough. And to my surprise, Cheryl, the mom, she stood up. The first one to stand up. She raised her hands to heaven and she began to sing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. Singing in the pain. Singing in her pain. I later found out during the salvation call there was one hand that went up and I just found out yesterday that it was his aunt who was so far from God and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ there in that moment at that funeral telling you they're watching the world watches to see how we react and I'll be honest with you through the political season we got it really wrong but you don't want that we've got to start singing in the pain no matter how hard it is, no matter what the prison feels like, you might be in the inner dungeon, you might be beaten, bloody, broken. There's no light. You're in shackles. And you start singing in the pain, and the promise is God shows up. And in that moment, God showed up in what is described as a massive earthquake said it shook the prison to its foundation. Why? Why did it have to be such a big earthquake? Because they weren't upstairs in, in, the, in the prison cell. They were in the heart of the, of the prison. They were in the inner dungeon. It, God had to shake it to the core. And God shows up through their praise. And not only are they free, but they lead a jailer and his entire family they are freed from their sins. It's what happens. You may not be where you want to be. It might not be the circumstance. It might not be the, the scenario that you had hoped for. But the promise is you just worship in the middle of this. Sing through the pain. Sing through it. And watch God show up. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.